Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And I am Three-Eyed Sloth, aka Josh. I do that backwards every time, and I don't know why, but I guess that's just who I am. It's okay, and in the Google Doc, you are currently an anonymous goose. Ooh, I mean, that's how I prefer to be, honestly. Yeah. If I could be one thing, that's what I would be. Done. We will make it happen. I don't know how, but it will happen. (laughs) Go to my Patreon to fund my plastic surgery. Oh my! To be an anonymous like that, goose, like the 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 one with the walrus and Justin. Exactly. Long. Yes. Mm-hmm. Same thing. <laughs> Tangent. Today we're going to tie back to episode number one twenty eight, Raw Real Monsters Eight, the Kuwatoa. Kuwatoa. And that will also bring us back to Diamnastics number one oh seven. Wetter is better. Mm-hmm. Always is. So the exercise that you posted was that people would come together and build a new aquatic race, uh, some kind of sea creature or sea race, and you left a lot of things up to the forum users to flesh out things like their origin, distinguishing physical features, their characteristics, uh, habitat, and all that stuff. So people were encouraged to kind of pick from a number of different categories that were laid out in order to flesh out this underwater race. Definitely. And it's a good template to use to make kind of any race now that we've cycled it through a couple times on the forums. So if you're interested in making a custom race, this might be a good way for you to see how some people approach it. Just throwing that out there for you. So we're going to highlight a couple. I'm actually going to highlight one and then we'll go back and forth. Obviously, if we're going to make an aquatic race, there's one person that needs to know that we love him and his love for aquatic things, and that is our good friend, Rich Howard. Oh, I love Rich. And Tigranosaurus decided to take the first prompt, the name of the race, and actually make it an homage to Rich Howard. And the way you would pronounce it, it's spelled with a lot of apostrophes. And no vowels. And yeah, very few vowels. <laughs> I need to buy a vowel. It would be Itch Awa, which is like Rich Howard. So, Tigranosaurus, thank you for making sure that Rich knows that we love him and his love of all things aquatic. And I believe, based on Tigranosaurus' description, is that uh, I don't I don't know if he has some kind of marine biology background, but yet he he states that the the name that was picked is something that could be actually pronounced or a sound that could be made by a dolphin like the kind of clicks and elongated noises essentially was the way he i don't know i thought that was super interesting yeah so good and i know rich has seen this because i made him go look at this and so he (laughs) i can speak on his behalf and tell you all that he loves this aquatic race that we made well i love it too and i'm not rich but i also love it (laughs) so what was your pick from the forums well, I really wanted to highlight Maribson. Uh, he came up with a really, I thought, was fantastic post. And it was really interesting the way he did it. He posted from the perspective of like a fictional character that's writing a journal about uh, creatures, I guess, that, that he studies. So it's this professor, and he's writing about the distinguishing psychological characteristics of the Ichawa so yeah, it's it's a lot of good stuff. It's a lengthy post, but you know, I'm I'm a sucker for really fleshed out details and Maribson really gets into it talking about uh, their patron deity and yeah, this really vicious, ruthless goddess that kind of lives over the body of a dead kraken god and 
And she's like, it's really cool. I love all the details. Even goes into things about writing and their language and talks about like what they do after their meals and the religious services that they offer and how they offer like their own essentially to their patron deity, you know, as a sacrifice. So yeah, it's really great. And I love that it's all like in character essentially too. So big fan. Yes. I love Maribson's continued approach of a very kind of different way to look at it. And like, this is just another example of an awesome post. Like, like you said, that journal thing, it reminds me of Diablo three and like, Finding a new monster and getting that sound clip of the guy reading out of the journal. Exactly. So my pick for this one is actually from Oodles, because not only do I love that name, I love their <laughs> post. And they actually took what Maribson had put on there and said that they weren't always in service to this terrible god. Essentially, they were brought up long ago by an older god, Ringurar, who actually molded them in his own image and like kind of was a father to them and like took care of them as if they were his own children and then the evil God. And so then the evil goddess came in and actually killed Rengarar and gave the option to the Ijawa. Do you want to serve me or die a terrible death? Like your deity did. And they chose life, which I can't fault them. And that's actually where they kind of transformed and, turn them into this evil race where they didn't used to be. And now they're a savage, violent race, just like the goddess that controls them. I'm a sucker for a tragic backstory. So yes, that was a very, very good, very good post from Oodles. <laughs> you got us, you got us both. That's all it took. It was tra- <laughs> tra- tragedy and we're in. That's right. I, I also would like to point out just as a little honorable mention uh, that Frotastic at the very, very end of the thread had a really great little, just a quick little thing that there's a Ichawa hero, Merla the Bulwark, most known for the taming of a dragon turtle and riding it into battle against the Xperic Saddle. It's like, ah, oh, just, I don't even know what half of those things, like, just all <laughs> these, just, I love made up names and I love all these names that they're coming up with. And I love the idea of this, you know, sea creature riding and taming a dragon turtle. It's like, ugh. That's so good. I can just picture that. And it's such a great mental image. So good indeed. But now that we've got that out of the way, let's start lifting the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. So since this is one that people jumped on and essentially completely filled out, there is literally nothing left for Josh and I to do. So we're going to head out of the gym. No, we're not. And instead, we're just my clothes. (laughs) Oh, no, you're going to have to work out in jeans. It's going to be gross. (laughs) The thing we're going to do is kind of go through it again for you, the listener, and kind of get a feel for kind of creating the base of a new race for a world. I don't think we should name it first. I mean, we can if you have something off the top of your head, but it is definitely not how I would approach a race. No, I don't have anything. Why don't, we, why don't we just start with the basics first? Like, we can come up with a name later. I assume, assume we're going to keep with the aquatic theme. Yes, because one of the th- key things for this prompt that I wrote at the end was tying it back to the Kuotoa by having a re- essentially number eight in this list is race relations and how do they interact with other sp- 
other races in your world. And I specifically put that they were the sworn enemy of the Kuatoa. So what if instead we said they are the sworn friend of the Kuatoa? What? Boom. That you just blew my mind. Okay. So what kind of... Do, and then I think we'll probably jump around, but what are some key distinguishing physical features that we would have for this race who is now the friend of Kuotoa? So the Ichawa, they seem like they're kind of like a part humanoid-ish, part tentacly, you know, bottom half anyway. Mm-hmm. From what I could, there was a picture that Lord Neptune kind of posted. That's a pretty good picture. And I think yeah. that fits kind of a lot of the uh, description that was given by a lot of people. I was thinking that to protect me like, or a friend of the Kuatoa, maybe they're like a protector of the Kuatoa because mm. Kuatoa are, are, I mean, at least very often, like when you see them like in pictures or whatever, they're kind of on the smaller side, not always, but like a lot of images, like the like famous pictures of them that I've seen are, you know, usually nothing. Oh Yeah. Yeah, they're usually like smaller creatures, whatever. So maybe what if they had a friend, like another aquatic race or species that kind of like protected them and watched over them, you know, the very almost, I don't want to say like fatherly way, but just like they, maybe there's some kind of pact or something that uh, was made and this other race is kind of like sworn or has this whatever obligation or something to protect them. I like it. So the thing that it immediately made me think of as a cool way that we could approach this would be kind of taking the cuttlefish as a base for it because they're so adept at hiding. That, Interesting. You know, they live in the same area as Kuatoa, but then kind of protect them and almost like this somewhat symbiotic relationship somehow. And so, but it's, they, you know, but they're kind of like the unseen protector of the Kuotoa. What if they were a very large cuttlefish? Huh? I like it. Think about it. Think about it. What Gigantic. if it was a cuttlefish, but big? Are we making it humanoid, though? Mm, no. I kind of like it not being humanoid. Okay. Since since the, the Ichawa are already kind of that, I think I like the idea of a non-humanoid species or whatever kind of being friends with the Kuotoa. Okay, sold. So we're going to have literally large-sized cuttlefish mm-hmm. that live in and around the area of Kuotoa to help protect them. I yes, like it. yes. There's maybe some kind of like, maybe there's even like a symbiotic or something relationship between Kuotoa that, that live near these cuttlefish or whatever they are. Like maybe, ooh, what if what if these fish or what if these things are like psychic or something and kind of can manipulate or kind of whatever influence, you know, psychically. And so Kuatoa that settle, you know, near these creatures kind of maybe forced into kind of living or cooperating with them in some way. I don't know. Just trying to think of uh, something a little bit different than the, than the norm. Yeah. No, I really, really like the idea of psychic communication. Okay. The other, mm, the other debate I'm having in my head is: Do the Kuatoa actually know? I mean, no, but we want them to be friends, so they have to know that they're there. Mm-hmm. Yes, but the Kuatoa are also crazy, so I'm trying to <laughs> trying to figure out how to resolve that the crazy people have friends. Well, that's why I think the the psychic manipulation maybe where the the mm. 
this creature can kind of rein in the, the crazy a little bit, or at least redirect it away from them. And so the Kuachoa don't take it out on them or whatever, and are more willing mm. to be friendly or cooperative. I like it. Maybe these are like a very rare... Uh, I imagine maybe like a, a like there's not many of them out in the, in the world, or at least not very many known, you know. And there's not like big like colonies or whatever of them. Like there's just kind of small handfuls of them that exist. So it's always kind of like a rare thing, you know, for these things to be come across. Yeah, and I also like the idea of like their migration patterns being tied to locations that Kuatoa live. Oh. Like there's just some inherent dependency on that, on the Kuatoa, and they actually travel from place to place. And so then the Kuatoa know that like the cuttlefish friends are here, so this is awesome. And they kind of, you know, prepare for that. And maybe that's why they actually travel to the locations that the Kuatoa live in. I like that. Yeah. I think that's good. I like the kind of codependency thing that goes on here. That's that's good. Let's see if I can drum up a name. Every good monster needs a good name. All right, random aquatic animal generator. Oh, it's just going to give me like a real life aquatic animal. Ooh, sea creature name generator. This is a good one. You ready? Ready for some examples? Yes. <laughs> These are so bad. The amphibian nightmare devil. The oh, one I no. the one I tentacle dolphin. <laughs> mm, this is not what I thought we were gonna get. Shark snake, shark moth, <laughs> shark a lion. I got real sad now. <laughs> Clamster, that's a great name. <laughs> okay, that's, that sounds like that's a music uh, streaming service that fish would use. Clamster. Oh. Okay. How about this? I got one, maybe. How about something like Zibsu? The the Zibsu. I accept. Okay. Kind of kind of came from uh there's a game called Abzu that was about uh kind of deep sea exploration, so that's kind of where the name came from. But okay. Zibsu, it's kind of a play off of that. Sold. I like it. So now, ooh. This would be interesting. So, are there any famous members of this race? Hmm. I feel like there's got to be, but I wonder if maybe famous in a negative aspect, maybe like one that kind of was a bit too too overzealous or too, I don't know, extreme with its uh, manipulation of the Kuatoa and kind of, you know, maybe did some really bad things and... and so when it's famous, it's more infamous and kind of maybe gave it like that the creature or the species a bad reputation because of uh, this one incident that happened or an incident that happened. What could that be? His name is the Dolphigator. No, that is not. <laughs> that is not. Ooh, I've got one. Sorry, his name, name is Whalaconda. Be... My. <laughs> It's getting painful at this point. <laughs> so what if we called him or her or, you know, it, let's be yeah. honest with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say indeterminate and we called them Angari. Mm. Okay. And I, I really like that they got overzealous. Maybe they went too far in trying to defend the Kuatoa. 
I like it. Yeah. Like convinced the race to essentially like be proactive rather than reactive and actually like had this gigantic war with the Ichawa. I like it. I think that's great. Sold. Done. And we have made a race, sir. Yes. With that, we are successful once again. Yes, and I also really like the name Lobsterana. That's a great name. No. <laughs> I get so sad. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Okay. And with that, if you wanted to tell us all about how you made a new and amazing aquatic race, or you just wanted to tell Rich Howard, go on Twitter. Definitely do it that way. But if you wanted to get a hold of us directly and to tell us, you can always email us at dmnastics at gmail.com. Or you can head over to Twitter at DMnastics where you can find both my Twitter handle and Josh's. And for everything else on the network, you can always go to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. Well, now we're going to do our post-workout cool down and stretch with a little light bulb. Light bulb. So for today's light bulb, uh, I wanted to talk about campaign management, which I know sounds like a real, real boring topic. But I know for a lot of people that do their own world building or do their own campaign planning, they like to tell their own stories and make up their own characters and and do all that stuff on their own without using pre-written material. Uh, It can be hard to keep track of that. And I know that the old kind of stereotype and the old kind of way of doing it that a lot of people I think still do is just to have you know, dozens and dozens of notebooks full of stuff. But Mm -hmm. there are really cool online resources that make that super duper easy and not only easy for you as the GM, but also easy for your players to actually access it and be able to follow along with a lot of the cool um, world building and stuff that you're doing. So I wanted to suggest something like Obsidian Portal, which is a website. They have been around for a long time. They allow people to create kind of their own, you know, it's almost like a mini website. Think of uh, something like uh, a Geosities back in the day or an Angel Fire, you know, something super hip. Uh, and oh essentially, it's it's you're building your own little custom website for your campaign, for your RPG campaign. And you get to populate it with characters that you've made, with little diaries and journal entries from your previous sessions. You can put notes on cities that your players have been to. You can put maps and all sorts of stuff. Uh, And it's a really cool way to get your players invested in the story that you're telling by kind of letting them on their own time when they're not sitting and playing at the game, maybe when they're at work or when they're at home, just kind of relaxing. They can actually go check on, you know, your little campaign website that you've made and get even further invested in the game that they're playing. So there's Obsidian Portal's free. That's a good resource. There's also a paid program that is really, really incredible but it costs a little bit of money. But if there's a free version, I think, to check out called Realmworks. So it's a little pricey, but I think there's a free version to try. But uh, the, there's a program called Realmworks, which is made by the uh, same people that made Hero Lab, the, the really popular character sheet mm-hmm. um, for like Windows and iOS, whatever. Uh, they have a really cool program that does a lot of that as well. And you can share that if you have like a subscription or whatever, you can actually share that with your players. They can view it on any device. They can kind of log in and even make contributions as well. There's like interactive maps that you can upload. And it's, it's just super duper cool. And I really highly recommend people that are making their own campaigns to utilize these resources and get their players like more invested in the stuff that they're doing. 
Definitely. I mean, and another one to check out is City of Brass. I mean, the other the other bonus is even if your players don't go there, it's also a great way for you as the DM to keep it, you know, and keep everything together and cohesive. Yeah, it just keeps things organized. Yeah, the added bonus could be player involvement, but I think that it's a can definitely be a great tool just for you as the DM to keep everything kind of in this one cohesive place. I mean, if you wanted to do that completely on your own, the Scrivener is another one or Scrivener, whichever way that's supposed to be said, but that's more of a personalized tool kind of thing, but definitely check one of these out, give it a go. I mean, like, like I said, the worst thing that happens is your stuff gets organized in a place you can go find. (laughs) Oh no. How terrible. Yeah. Hey, the worst. Hey, and if you, the listener, uh, have a really cool obsidian portal that you want to show off, you should tweet it at DMnastics and we'll, uh, maybe retweet and highlight some really cool ones. Definitely. I would love to see them. And then, It'll probably ruin all motivation I have to do one myself, but I love to see the (laughs) cool one that you have done. Exactly. But with that, we're going to turn out the lights and head out of the gym. Click. But before we go, I just want to implore you, the listener, to join up on the forums and take part in all of these challenges and exercises, as well as all the other amazing conversations that are being had. To do so, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you will add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running.